Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wes and Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at planetkianc.com. And yes, folks, we teased it going into the break. Antonio Brown, owner of the Albany Empire. Yes, the man who does not pay players. Yes, the man who locks players out of hotel rooms and won't give them the keys. Ruining an Arena League franchise has now offered Cam Newton $150,000. Oh, is that right? Now, this is a guy that doesn't pay his players that are already on the roster, including they have the MVP of the league on their team, and he does not pay this guy. For one game to play alongside him next month, so I guess he's trying to bring back some goodwill to the franchise that he's left in ruin. He may go down as the worst owner in sports when you go back and look at it, but... He tweeted, if anybody has seen Cameron Newton, let him know he hasn't thrown me a touchdown in a game yet, and now we can finally make it happen on June 16th, 2023 in Albany, New York City. I'm offering Cam $150,000 for one game to play with me. Please spam his account. Hashtag Ace Boogie to AB. I mean, the lack of self-awareness of Antonio Brown is clearly evident. We don't need to talk about that. This is a guy that just, like I said, realizes that he doesn't even pay his own guys. All of the things that he's done. He's just one of the most delusional athletes that you will see. But, of course, he brings Cam Newton into it. Cam Newton is near and dear to the hearts of many around here. I mean, what what do you think of this? I mean, I know what you think of this. I, I feel like I do. Should Cam even entertain Antonio Brown's overtures? <laughs> It would be an awful mistake. Uh, the thing is, Antonio Brown, we know what he's about. This dude has refused to pay people every step of the way. We have a Sports Illustrated article on Antonio Brown a few years back of him doing different things to his house, like installing a fish tank, which I hate to have a similarity with Antonio Brown in that regard, but at least I take care of it. <laughs> like in that Sports Illustrated article, it was mentioned how he just didn't take care of some piranha tank and also didn't pay for it. And the piranhas are like belly up. That's what the football team is going to be. The football team is going to be belly up. If you have to have any type of responsibility given to Antonio Brown, there's so many different things the dude just refuses to pay for like his home chef as well like the chef that he had for quite a long time just nope not paying him catering nope we're gonna have you cater this for free oh yeah I'll, I'll pay you on the other side for sure i'll give you that money nope the catering company doesn't see any of that it's the same thing in the arena football league man cam $150,000. i am sorry i know maybe i don't know your finances like that okay i have to imagine that it shouldn't be that much to the point where you actually go play for a dude that is not going to pay you anyway. Right. But please don't do it. Even 150,000. If that is enough, you're not going to see it anyway. Right. So, so don't say yes. Stay away, Cam. But uh, then please. what's the point of, of going out there anyway to play in an arena game? All these guys are going to be charged up to try to get a hit on Cam Newton. Who knows how wrong that could go. But that was just something wild to bring up uh, on the show and for the people out there in text land. <laughs> to uh, talk about and let us know what they think. So, so, so Nipple Hightower, which is a weird name, but he also said, I like how Walker went to the fish tank first. 
was uh, he the installer that didn't get paid? This seems personal. <laughs> yes, it is personal. Once you mess up with a uh, fish pay tank, my money, AB. Uh, you are down on the list for me. Also, I went to my aunt's house over the weekend. Not one, two fish tanks. Hey, Aunt Fitty. And I was, <clears throat> why is she Aunt Fitty? Because you said it was your aunt's house. Well, she, I would love to see how you look with a wig on. What? <laughs> Did we just go grandma? When he said Aunt Fitty. I got a vision in my head of Fitty's that, aunt looking like him just with a wig on. What we can do is as soon as we get a thousand followers on the Wesson Walker handle on Twitter, Fitty will dress up like grandma. Mm. That's something that we can do. He's already agreed to it. What were you saying about the fish tanks, though? <laughs> but anyway, there, there were two fish tanks there. And the whole time I was over, mm-hmm. we were watching a movie. All, all I was thinking about were these fish. And and you, because like I I want, but Thank you. it was a Saturday night. It was during Game Six. Like I didn't want to bother you, but I'm going back, and I think I'm going to take pictures Please of do. the tank. And I want to make sure that you, certified fish nerd, uh-huh. uh, you know, approve of the their, their tank business. I want the pics. I want the types of fish that are in it. I want all the information. I'm glad that I have some. So look. I mean, now you have someone in your life that is about this life as well. Are you going to make fun of me nearly as much? Is that still going to happen now that you have a family member about this life? No, I only make fun of how passionate you are about oh, okay. it. Like, I mean, you, you take time out of your day to clean these tanks. It's like, like right. you, you blow right, me Antonio. off. You blow off show meetings to go clean fish tanks. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I just want Antonio Brown to put the same level of care and love in his fish tanks that I do. Come on, A.B. <laughs> All right, so moving on to Bryce Young and more on him. So Eric Mangini has come out, former coach of the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns, and he recently said there may be too much pressure on Bryce Young to perform in his rookie season and that it would be wise to tone it down. And I quote, he says, I think he's in a situation where the expectations are so big and the best thing you can do for him is take some of that pressure off. Your job should be constantly resetting expectations and to some degree lowering expectations. This is a rookie quarterback who's going to go through a ton of struggles. And the last thing you want is the whole fan base and the whole, whole world thinking, well, he was so great early. Why is he suddenly struggling now? Is Eric Mangini right? Are we putting too much pressure on Bryce Young? I always, I always like considering the messenger on this. And Eric Mancini is somebody that was considered the, quote, man genius. Okay? This is someone that was awfully Sean McVay-ish when he got the job with the New York Jets at 35 years old. At least that's what some people would come to expect from him. And this is someone that had a lot of pressure put on him so early. And eventually, the dude would get fired from his Jets job, go to Cleveland, Go five and eleven, two straight years, and hasn't coached ever again. Not as a head coach. So thirty-five years old, he gets hired by the Jets, and then he's out of the league as a head coach by the time he's thirty-nine. That's his by the time he's forty, I guess, after his thirty-nine-year-old coaching season with Cleveland. Nobody else took a shot on him. Not as a head coach. So maybe he's speaking from some kind of similarity, mm, some kind of. I like that. I was in. I was in this position before. Like, I know what it's like to be so young entering the game like this and then eventually fizzle out because it was a lot to stand up to. Now, it's Charlotte, North Carolina. It's not New York. And the other thing is, we can go to somebody like Bryce Young in this coaching with this coaching staff. I don't think they're going to be asking too much of him, Wes. There's a difference in hyping him up, but then also putting him in a position to succeed. To the point where you're not asking him to throw for 4,500 yards this year. 
I know you expect a possible best rookie season ever. Like we we've had those expectations. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot, but I don't think that they're asking him to throw for 4,500. I think they're going to run the football a lot. I think they're going to use that awesome offensive line to their advantage. I think they're going to put him in the right positions to succeed to the point where he can be good. And also we're not asking him to look like Peyton Manning. We're not putting him in the same situation where we expect what 27 interceptions. We don't expect that. So I'm cool with everything. I think they should be building his confidence and then eventually putting him out there on the field in these right situations to succeed. I'm not worried about it. See, my thing is this is where the pedigree comes into play. I've talked about it at length when you talk about his high school rankings and he goes to Alabama and what he does there and now where he's at. I just don't think much is going to get to him as far as expectations. I, I think he's one of those guys that nobody expects more of himself than himself. This is a guy in high school. You're talking about going to arguably the top high school in California. There's expectations there, immense ones, to keep the winning tradition going, to be the best team in America. If I'm not mistaken, I think they won a national championship or two when he was there. You go to Alabama, how much more expectations can you get? You talk about being, uh, he was a big fish in a big pond, but you know in Alabama, that's football town, USA. How much more or, or how many more expectations can he get from those around him, the fans, the media, than what he got, especially coming in? This was not a guy that was coming in quietly. This was a guy that was coming in being hailed as one of the guys to take this program to the next level. So I think now coming in as a number one draft pick, he is conditioned for this type of atmosphere to be around him. So I don't think so at all. Uh, I'm sure Eric Mandini is just trying to uh, be, be nice, so to speak, or just try to temper expectations. But I don't think there's too much pressure. And then, like you said, with the coaches, I think they'll take care of him for sure. I just think that when situations call for it, especially when he shows that he can handle the trust of the coaches to be able to do things and not turn the football over, I think there will be times they will let him go, especially if they're in situations to where they're losing late in games and they need him to throw the ball uh, a ton in the third and fourth quarter. So I think it's just going to be all situational as far as what the coaching staff expects from him. But as far as the fans and and all the expectations from the outside, I think this kid's used to it by now. Well, yeah, and and I completely agree. This is a lot of this comes with the advantage of who he is as a football player. It's the fact that he can handle all of this. It's the fact that he is extremely smart. But even if today's NFL has gravitated further away from what Peyton Manning saw once he entered the league, I think it's not far fetched at all to say that Peyton Manning is one of the smartest quarterbacks of all time. One of the one of the best, one of the smartest. The dude threw for a ton of interceptions. It took a little while for him to be amazing. I think for me, it's okay to put in there just a little bit to say, okay, it's going to take some time for him to cook. Maybe a little bit, right? Like we can expect a really nice rookie season. Do we expect him to be all pro right off the bat? Do we expect him to be a pro bowler right off the bat? Maybe, maybe if some injuries will help him get there, maybe because of the low turnovers and you're right. It's not like they're going to coach scared. I think there's just going to be a right balance. If if you need to get the first down on some third or fourth down conversion attempt, I hope to God that they're not going to throw five yards past the line of scrimmage to Curtis Samuel when you need 12 yards. Okay, we saw that with Teddy Bridgewater already. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to coach scared. I do think you're going to see a lot of balance to where the QB is really smart. He is pedigreed, as you've mentioned, really productive. And the coaching staff put in place only cares about his success. And we've seen these offensive minds tailor their offense to what is best for multiple quarterbacks that they've worked with. 
feel very good about what you can get from Bryce and even beyond his rookie season. All right, real quick, we're up against it, but this could turn into a segment maybe during football season. Who knows? But uh, PFF released his top 32 wide receiver rankings. DJ Moore came in at 16. Carolina did not have a wide receiver make the list. Worried or not? Nah, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. we've talked about the wide receiver core quite a bit. I'd love to hold on to DJ Moore, but that was the price. You had to get rid of DJ. Ryan Poles wanted somebody to help Justin Fields transition into his third, fourth year in the NFL and really become that franchise quarterback. I think Adam Thielen is fine enough. I think DJ Chark, Hayden Hurst, there's enough of a committee approach that I don't think it's going to hinder the development. No, it is not some star-studded class that you have out there catching the football. But it's enough to not hinder Bryce Young, especially if you lean on that running game like I expect them to do. So, no, I'm not really worried that they don't have anybody ranked in the top 32. Yeah, I mean, when you look at these guys, who would you put in there? I mean, maybe there could be someone sneaks in at the bottom of it. But even still, I don't know where you go from there. I just think it's going to be a group that's the sum of its parts rather than just reliant on one dominant guy or two really good players. I think this is just a crew that's going to be a, a blue-collar crew, come in, help Bryce get adjusted, do all the little things. And I think uh, Mingo has a chance to emerge uh, as a great playmaker for the Panthers as well. But I wouldn't be worried either about this group. I think they're just a solid, steady group with uh, no flash. But when we return on the Wesson Walker Show, Bill Barnwell ranks Carolina's having the what? Best offseason? Is it too low? Is it too high? We'll talk about all that when we return on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's Wesson Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We have quite a few texts to get to on the Garage Door Guru text line. Want to make sure that we mention some of the names people brought up when we were talking about the best NBA journeymen of all time. The guys that have played for a million different teams. We have a few questions out there. We'll read some of those at 704-570-9610. Barry the Tile Man has a great one. NC State player, by the way, Chucky Brown. Okay. Played for 12 teams. He also mentioned Jim Jackson is a good one. Tony Massenberg. Joe Smith. They all played for 12 teams, according to Google. Damn. The players who played for the most NBA teams. I think we have seen Ish Smith break that record since. Well, mine is clearly Chris Webber. I mean, Chris Webber, he played for four teams. They list him as a journeyman, but I was like, I know that doesn't quite meet the criteria. But Well, no, it's weird because he was somebody that just moved on so many times at the beginning of his career. Mm -hmm. So he's drafted by Orlando. Then he gets traded to Golden State. and that, Or excuse me, with the Bullets, I believe, was even before Golden State, if I'm not mistaken. No, it went 
draft night trade to Golden right. State. Right, right, Golden right. State went to the Bullets. Okay. And then on and on. And then and Sacramento, on. Philadelphia at the very end. I believe we got a Detroit mention in there. Yes. So, yeah. So, we saw Chris Weber move around quite a bit. 15-year listener wrote in Leandro Barbosa. Yes. That's a good one. Journey Didn't they call man. him the Blur? Yeah. I think that was his nickname. The Brazilian Blur? Yes, I think so. Uh, yeah, he was awesome, man. Yeah. And so, not only a, a key part to those first... Golden State teams that were making runs because he was a big time player off of the bench, former Pacer, six man good of the minutes year, backing up Steph. Yeah. yeah, I think six man of the year for the Suns too, mm-hmm. along with like a Boris Diaw as well. Go Panthers guy, giving Flip Murray some love. Shaw, you stand up. How about Shaw, you represented okay. on Wesson Walker today, <laughs> and then uh, as we moved on to the Carolina Panthers conversation, we got a couple of texts in on that. I want to read one seven zero four number wrote. This is the worst wide receiver core in the NFL, what Carolina has right now. Mm. I think that's really strong. If you don't think that there's a number one, cool. There's not. I don't think that you have a solidified number one at this point in their career on the roster. I don't think that. But I don't think it's the worst wide receiver core in the league. That seems real strong, especially if you want to include a Hayden Hurst, who is going to be um, receiving some of these passes from Bryce Young. And I think you have to include him if you're just talking about overall weaponry. I don't think it's the worst in the league. I think it's maybe a little below average, but I think they've done a nice job at salvaging what they could if it meant getting rid of DJ Moore to go get a Bryce Young. I feel like they did enough. Well, I'm looking right now. I just wanted to do a little bit of quick research, and lineups.com has the Panthers' as receiver core rated as number 32. Uh, the d- dead last, huh? Yeah, they got them dead last. They said um, they just talked about how – Let's see. They, they talked about Adam Thielen's age. They talked about Chalk being on a one-year deal. Marshall Jr. never living up to the hype. Hayden Hurst brings stability to what was perhaps the worst tight end room in the league last year. They said without much proven production, the door's wide open for second-round pick Jonathan Mingo to make an immediate impact. Well, what do you think? I mean, do you think that's I think Correct. they're near the bottom. I don't know that I would say last. I mean, let's look at who's in front of them before we make that determination. I mean, New England's, I would probably take their core over New England's core of Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton, Juju Smith, Hunter Henry, Mike Gusecki. Uh, the Houston Texans, God, not doing much better. Ends, man. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, don't look that great either. The Giants, the <laughs> Packers. I mean, the first respectable receiving core you probably get to is the Colts at 26 with Michael Pittman Jr. So I think the teams I just said, the Panthers have a better unit there because I just am going off what I think that they will do. I would put them probably in that 22 to 25 range, somewhere in there. Yeah, it seems low considering also, let's just go to, you mentioned Tennessee. We can also go to Houston. I mean, they lose Brandon Cooks. They're bringing in Tank Dell. But if you just want to go just player for player, we yeah. have Jonathan Mingo to add to the list. And then who are some of the other wide receivers that they got? That yeah, a lot of theirs is gonna, yeah, a lot of theirs is going to depend on what Tank Dell ends up being and what John Mechie ends up being as well. And then they got Dalton Schultz in free agency. Well, what about even yeah, Arizona has Hollywood Brown, but they lose a DeAndre Hopkins. And, and then, so- uh, oh, man, I was about to make a mistake and say somebody that's no longer there. <laughs> well, I just, <laughs> bottom line, here's what I'll say, too. Even if you think that they are bottom five in the league, NFL teams have some really good weapons if Carolina with this group has bottom five, right? Like, to me, even if you are just to compare every single one, to me, this group just within itself doesn't necessarily mean they're going to hold Bryce Young back. So even if they do, whatever you have them, bottom 10, bottom 5, 
man, it goes to show you just how good of a place the NFL is um, is in when you talk about all of this talent. Yeah. I mean, you can't have NFL drafts with the best wide receiver class we've ever seen because of, I think, an emphasis on seven on seven. I think you've seen a lot of specialized wide receivers come out and make a huge impact in the NFL. And so that would make sense that a group like Carolina might be towards the bottom, despite having what you think just on itself is pretty average play. Yeah. And so you look at the Arizona Cardinals, they still have DeAndre Hopkins in that group. But even funnier, how much is it going to throw you off this year when you see Chosen Anderson in the stats? Because the first thing I said when it said key departures, wide receiver chosen Anderson. I was like, who the hell is chosen Anderson? And mm-hmm. then I thought about it. I said, Oh, we've had, we've had a couple of chosens involved in the Carolina Panther discourse yes. with Cam's son being chosen. And now Robbie Anderson, then Robbie with an IE and then chosen Anderson yes. going to the Miami Dolphins organization. So these are some of the moves that the Carolina Panthers made this off season. And despite that, despite you possibly thinking it's the worst wide receiver core in the league, or at least bottom five, bottom 10, somewhere in the basement, we still think Carolina had a great offseason. And Bill Barnwell thinks the same thing. He ranked every single team's offseason on ESPN Insider's column, and he had Carolina ranked number nine, Wes. I thought it was going to be higher, but number nine is still something that should be celebrated, and it has been big time. He did say one of the things that went wrong for Carolina this offseason, it's the fact that you did trade DJ Moore, that you gave a contract to Adam Thielen the way that you did, and he doesn't have a whole lot of belief in him. In fact, some of the numbers that he states for Adam Thielen, he says this, he'll turn 33 in August. He's played one full season over the past four and just finished an inefficient campaign with the Vikings. 70 catches for over 700 yards sounds reasonable, but he ran 656 routes, the second most of any player in football. He averaged a woeful 1.09 yards per route run, which is 83rd out of 97 qualifying wideouts. He actually kind of likes the DJ Chark edition. He actually kind of likes the Hayden Hurst edition. Wes, as we get closer to the regular season, I think Bill Barnwell is echoing a sentiment that I'm garnering around this team. As we get closer, it does feel like the love for Thielen is starting to wane a little bit as we start to dive a little deeper into the numbers. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people do get caught up in the nostalgia of what he once was. And again, I was a person who looked at it, too, because that's definitely digging deep in the numbers. I'm looking at the fact of just on the surface, him being the number one guy and him coming in with a rookie quarterback that's going to rely on a veteran like him and throw him the ball a lot. Uh, When you start digging into the numbers again, I just wonder what the Panthers, obviously they saw something there to bring him in. What do they feel like they're going to do with him that Minnesota didn't? I don't think he's going to be having those type of uh, yards per route here. So I just don't see him, if he's healthy, not having a pretty good season here. I think it'll be better than that. I'm not expecting him to have a, a fantastic breakout season to show, hey, I still got it and go for 1,500 yards. But I think this is a guy that can come in and have better numbers than what he had last season in Minnesota. Well, and I feel like the depth is okay. Even if you don't feel good about not having a number one wide receiver, we already compared this group to what they had last year. No, you don't have a DJ Moore on your list anymore. You do not have that on the roster. But your second leading receiver last year, it was Terrace Marshall. Yeah. And Terrace Marshall is now slated to be your third or fourth guy. Because I think both of us think Thielen and Chark are going to be going to be your one and two. Mingo, 
the more you start to look at him, you think, okay, maybe he is going to contribute right away and not be this project. He's going to have to. And so with LaVisca Chenault also on the roster, people like him. The route tree is not phenomenal with him. We're talking about one specialized route with maybe just giving him the football. <laughs> but well, am I? I mean, that's what we—that's what he was oh, last year. Uh, no, no, no. I, I was just laughing at just what you said. I mean, I—I I think maybe he has more than that, but we'll see. You're not far off because as far as what they did with him, obviously they don't think he can do more than what he did either. And remember, here we are talking about high draft picks being traded from Jacksonville. We saw it with C.J. Henderson. Levisca just was stop. like 37. That needs to be the last one. Well, and, and so it's not, this isn't somebody that was, you know, coveted enough by Jacksonville, yeah. right? So we'll, we'll see what he can do, but I do like his play. It's just, we're talking about one area he's good at. Give him the football and he'll run you over. Crazy physical wide receiver. Hey, keep but it real. You think he's trash. I don't think he's trash. See, this is why. We got to have some nuance, man. I'm trying to bring some nuance to it. Um, no, I think he's trash. No, I don't. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. But with all, with all of these guys... It does feel deeper this year than it does last year, right? Like, so if you think this year is the worst wide receiver group, yeah. DJ Moore was doing a lot, a lot yeah. of the heavy lifting well, last year. And he was a fairly durable player. That's the only reason why I kind of cringe because I'm like, we know NFL teams get hit with the injury bug during the season. And we know that some position groups can be depleted. This is one the Panthers cannot afford to be depleted. Obviously, you can't afford for any of them to. But if that wide receiver, you get two or three guys nicked up, it could get real bad. Yeah, I just think even with the depth here, it's crazy because it feels like it's even better than what they had last year. So we'll see how it all unfolds. I know a lot of people are, it's feels like we're getting some varying opinions on this now, maybe a little bit more so. feels like we've been riding the roller coaster this offseason, which that's what the offseason is for. It's for feelings, baby. Charlotte Hornets, <laughs> Carolina Panthers, it's all entirely for, for feelings. Now, I did want to go to the defensive side because Bill Barnwell also, in the what's left to do question, a part of this write-up, he said, as you got to figure out what to do with Jeremy Chin. A second round pick in 2020. He looked like a potential star at safety after his first two years in the league. And really, I would even dwindle that down just a little bit more. After his first year in the league, he did look like a potential star. But Bill says that he took a step backwards last season. They have new safeties like Von Bell. Xavier Woods also in free agency here again after they brought him aboard. So Chin is probably not going to be a safety whom you want playing the deep half all that often but he can be a valuable contributor as a box defender. I think Jeremy Chin is going to have a better year. Just somebody I buy into. I think there's too much talent. I think the guy cares too much. I think that there were enough rumblings about Jeremy Chin not working all that well in a Phil Snow system. We heard some of that last year. And I think Jero Avero coming in with this versatile piece, I think you find, I don't know about flirting with a Pro Bowl appearance, but I think we'll look at him as really helping this defense next year. Alongside Von Bell and Xavier Woods, you can start to put him in some of the situations that best suit him. I feel good about Jeremy Chin going into next year. Yeah, I think you should. I mean, he's talked about how great he feels now, and I think a lot of that is because he does feel like that he's going to be used in the way that he wants to be used. I mean, he talked about how he's feeling rejuvenated. He said he's at a really good spot. He feels good mentally. That's great as well, and that's always something that's going to play into uh, his play, obviously. So he said his life has just been aligned right now. So hopefully that translates to the field. But I think this is a guy that if they can figure out how to use him best, this is going to be the year to figure out if he's going to be a dude in that defense. Is he the biggest wild card on the defensive side? Who's the biggest wild card to you? I say no because I think it's Derek Brown, and I'll tell okay. you why. This guy, you know, coming into last season, a lot of people thought he was a bust. He has a really, really good season. 
you know what I say with big guys and when they get the bag, which he hasn't gotten yet, but when they get the bag, it kind of falls off. So we'll see because this year there's a new element of difficulty tacked onto his season, and that's now being a 3-4 defensive end where he's going to have to cover more ground on a play-to-play basis than he ever has. Oh, yeah, and also provide more pass rush. So that's going to be the interesting thing to me is how does he bounce back uh, last season? Is he the guy that we saw from last season, or is he going to be the guy that we saw prior to that? And how's he going to adjust to a completely different role in the process? Even if you have... A lot of problems with big guys who have motor issues. It doesn't seem like that's a problem for Derek Brown. This is someone that, by character, you measure. Walter Payton, Man of the Year representative for Carolina, doing a lot of work within the community, has done that as, as soon as he was drafted. And with the football acumen starting to come around for him this past year, the good news for me where, okay, if we had like half a season of a sample size of him playing good football, I'd worry a little bit more that it was a mirage. But it wasn't just half a year. He was it. it he struggled against Cleveland. That was the, right off the rip. It was like, all right, we'll see how much he can play after this. And then, boom, he hit the ground running. I mean, it was really just a, a struggle at the very beginning. But I think there's enough of a sample size there. I do feel very good about him. And I think there's enough athleticism for Averro to tap into. It's why we all kind of feel good about this transition yeah. where, where it's tough. To make that transition, but also with him, his skill set, I think he's athletic enough. So who's your biggest wild card? I think Jeremy Chen is the guy. Just because if we're talking about top five elite defensive potential, mm-hmm. we played the soundbite for Mina Kimes. It's always been about potential, but can they actually reach it? Can it be reality if Chen becomes one of these chess pieces, the queen on the board, where you can just do a whole lot with him? Let's say he's better in coverage this year, and he plays as well as he always has inside the box. Yeah, man. I, I think if he is that guy, then he covers a lot of mistakes. Not to I, I expect big things from Frankie Louvu. I expect us to have the same combo we do every year with Shaq Thompson, where some year some games you're gonna want more from him. But overall, when you start to measure up an entire season's worth of work, he's gonna be a better than average linebacker, but not a pro bowler. And I'm cool with that right now. Even at this stage in his career, I'm cool with that. I think Chin is my wild card. Last thing real quickly, another big time. I don't know if it's a wild card, but if Iki Kwanu has a big old breakout season on the offensive side, let's go past the line of scrimmage again. How much would that do for this Carolina Panthers team, Wes? Because Bucky Brooks has Iki Kwanu on his all breakout team, and that would just be the icing on the cake, maybe even more so if you're a Panthers fan to see this guy blossom in his second year. It would be tremendous. Like I said, that's one of the key positions. You now have the franchise quarterback that he has to protect with his life, just like everybody else on that line. But I think his starting point needs to be, when you look at this list, and not that PFF is the end-all, be-all, but when you talk about the top 32 tackles in the game, he needs to start at 27 where they have Taylor Moten. Uh, They had him there last year, but I think there are a lot of guys that he can climb up over this list over with his potential. And Bucky Books gave him a glowing review just saying that he flashed brilliance last season. He just has to be more consistent. And that's the thing you're looking for with any young player at any position is for guys just to be consistent. But I think when you look at guys like Mike McGlinchey at 21, you go up, you look at some of these other guys that I think that he can pass. And I think that he can – put himself into the conversation as a top 20 tackle uh, when this season begins next season. But I like where he's headed, and he's starting to get some recognition, and we'll see what he does with it. What what I love about offensive tackles, you can see them 
take big old jumps. Mm -hmm. And some of these tackles that you've seen drafted pretty high up in the last few years, sometimes it's a night and day performance from one season to another. And some of these guys hit the ground running like a Rashawn Slater before he got hurt and eventually missed the rest of the season after like a couple of games. You can go back to Tristan Wirfs freak athlete coming out was awesome immediately, not left tackle, but was awesome immediately. And then another example on the opposite end Andrew Thomas is considered one of the best left tackles in the game right now. He was not considered that his first year playing with the New York Giants. People were clowning Dave Gettleman once again when they could have drafted a different tackle. But Thomas has now become one of the best blindside protectors in the NFL. And it wasn't a good rookie year. So, Wes, you see these guys learn a lot of information their first season, start to learn the hand fighting, start to learn better balance. And plus, one other thing, when you got James Campen. Somebody that is very highly thought of as your offensive line coach, so much so that they kept him and they kept Chris Tabor, who also had a big impact on special teams. There are plenty of reasons to believe in Iki Aquanu to take that big old step up his second year. Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's go to the second Fitty Flash of the day. It's all right to be a little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share, might as well smile. Life goes on for a Yesterday, the bracket for the 2023 baseball tournament was released, uh, and it features eight teams from the state of North Carolina, 11 total from the Carolinas, and as Wes just intervened there with his Hmm. deeks, (laughs) his Wake Forest Demon Deacons, the number one overall seed in this year's event. Bad news, though, for Wes, is that the number one overall seed has only won at one time. That's changing this Since year. they began seeding. Wes, I know you were uh, locked in on the ACC tournament, which Clemson ultimately won. But how do you like the draw your boys got? And do the Deeks have a legitimate chance, you think, to get to Omaha and win a national championship? I think they have a great chance. I mean, I know that uh, they averaged over nine runs per game. I, I believe they led the nation in ERA, Team ERA. So, I mean, they've got the pitchers. They've got everything requisite. I mean, when they were talking about them, and that's what kind of made me nervous when I was watching the broadcast and they were saying how Wake was unbeatable and they didn't know how anybody was going to be able to stop them. And then, lo and behold, true Wake Forest fashion, we can't seal the deal, lose the ACC championship, uh, lose in the ACC championship, which is what they call the entire tournament, to Clemson. So that was disappointing that they couldn't get it done. But regular season champions, I'll take that as well. So I'm super excited for what they're going to do. And I think they're going to go all the way. How about the Charlotte 49ers, by the way? They make the tournament after winning the Conference USA Tournament Championship. 5-2 victory over Dallas Baptist, and they become the first team since 2004. That's right. Like a church league. Yeah, well, they're going to be playing the church league, not in the NCAA (laughs) tournament. That spot is reserved for the Charlotte 49ers. They're the first team since 2004 to win the Conference USA Championship after losing the first game. Problem is, it's a tough regional for them because they're going to be in the Clemson Regional as a three seed, but Clemson Regional. So it's going to be tough for them. Fiddy, you got one other thing? Yeah, their head coach will join the Mac attack tomorrow at 925. And secondly, what is that shirt going to be being delivered to the studio? Fiddy, you have every right to keep questioning me on this, not only because of that, but because I have not gotten the CBI championship shirt. We did find it. We saw the starting lineup that was featured on the front of that t-shirt i will get both and i will represent my charlotte 49ers accordingly thank you for holding me responsible i appreciate that it's wes and walker let's go to uh well let's take a visit to the mound in the upcoming segment sports rated 92.7 wfnz
McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Sam Amico going to be joining us at 2.20 after dropping an article last week with the headline, Scoot Henderson to the Charlotte Hornets, number two. Now, I don't know about the content necessarily revealing that as he wrote, but we're going to ask him about some of that content as to why maybe the headline was Scoot Henderson to the Charlotte Hornets, number two overall. We're going to see about it. Wes, why were you laughing at me when I said that? I saw something on Twitter that. It was hard to contain. Oh, so it wasn't anything pertaining to Sam Amico? No, you're always funny, though. I will say that. Why is that? Because you're a funny guy. Like Seems more like an insult. Yeah, no. Goodfellas, that, that was, that was very... funny to you. I make you laugh. That was a scary situation. During, should I be scared right now? No, There's Goodfellas, nothing. they ended up laughing. I'm funny how? Right. No, you say I'm funny, I'm funny how? Yeah. That's how I feel right and now. And they ended up laughing together. It, except I'm not as scary as Joe Pesci is. No. No, I'm not. I remember, he killed the kid just for uh, making a slight comeback at him after he rode him all day. Yeah. You know, I felt bad for him, though. <laughs> I know, especially with the spoilers, as, as soon as he thought he was going to be the made man, he knows immediately the empty room. Uh-oh. Yep. Blah! <laughs> yep. Done. He said, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's honestly... Yeah, it's like, what else can I do? Going to be a made man. Yeah. I, it, maybe he's a little bit scarier than I am. The best part is that actor is also in The Sopranos, and he kind of goes through the same thing where he becomes... Joe Pesci a, is his name. Yeah. Well, no, the guy that he kills. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yes, gotcha. And, and so oh, the, you mean the guy that killed him? <laughs> the guy that kills Joe Pesci. We're thinking of a different scene, then. Okay. You, you don't... You've seen Goodfellas. I've seen Goodfellas. I thought you were talking about when he killed... Um, is his name Spider, I think, in the movie? But I mean, we're, we're all confused now. But the, I don't know. We're he, off the r- wrong track. You yeah. know, he, he does kill a guy that goes for that same progression in The Sopranos and when he becomes a made man, mm-hmm. he celebrates. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's move on. Let's try to get back on track with Fiddy's voice and all. At least this is going to be a shorter segment, so you don't have to give us a bunch of highlights. You're ready to go, though. Like, the voice would suggest otherwise, but you're a grinder, and we appreciate that. Yeah, the, the voice is fine. I don't know what y'all are talking about. All right. Visit to the mound right here. Go ahead, Fiddy. Hang on. I pulled, I pulled in the wrong thing. <laughs> I'm ready to go. All right. You tell me when to set you up again, and then we'll just rewind this whole thing. <laughs> now we're good. All right. Visit to the mound up next. Come on. We'll take you on right here, right now. Come on. Hurry up, batter. It's going to be a short game, and i got to get home for lunch. It's my dog. Is as ugly as you. I'd shave his butt. You tell him to walk backwards. Is that your sister out there in left field? Naked? She's naked? You think she'd go out with me? Ah! 
yesterday was Memorial Day, and that's really the first benchmark of the baseball season. And a lot of baseball managers will tell you that's when the real season does begin. So let's update the division leaders, and I want you to tell me what is the biggest surprise. Let's go in the AL. The Rays lead the AL East. They're 39 and 17. In the Central, it's the Minnesota Twins, who are 28 and 26. And then in the West, it's not the Houston Astros, but the Texas Rangers, who are 34 and 19 with a three-game lead over the defending World Series champions. Any surprise to you guys of the American League division leaders as we get to June? I know many people might go with the Texas Rangers, and that is not a bad guess whatsoever. Just having the kind of run differential, how dominant they've been at 34 and 19. But here's what I'm most intrigued by. The fact that the worst team in the AL East is 28 and 26 this year. The strong division that is the AL East with also Baltimore being 34 and 20. Look, I am not as tapped into baseball as I used to be, and I get it. But this is surprising. I know that they've had the young talent. I know an Adley Rutschman comes in and he's going to be somebody that is celebrated for years to come. But at the same time, I don't know if I expected them to just be four games behind a team that got off to a 14 and 0 start. Like, to me, I go to the AL East, and if I needed to dwindle it down to one franchise, it'd be the fact that Baltimore, with all that young talent, is only four games behind a team like the Rays, who were dominant at almost an unprecedented level at the beginning of the season. That's the biggest surprise I would go with. Wes, what say you if you were to give us your biggest surprise? Well, I will say just the fact that Tampa Bay is still rolling. I mean, I knew that... Starting the season, you saw how good they were. We knew the run differential was crazy, and their record was fantastic. But in my mind, I was saying to myself, can they maintain this? I don't want them to be a flash in the pan and a team that started out hot and then down the stretch. And as the season goes on, they start to kind of flame out. But, man, just the team, they've continued to stay dominant. So that would be probably my biggest surprise. It's the fact that Tampa Bay at this point has got to be, if not a strong contender for the World Series, they have to be the favorite. What is the biggest surprise to you, Fiddy? Um, I, I think I think it's Minnesota because I really like Cleveland. But this is a team that, like, historically they start sort of under Terry Francona. Their pitching has been very good. Yeah. Um. So in the NL, the Braves lead the NL East. They're 32-22. and 22. The Brewers lead the Central. They're 28 and 25. And then the Dodgers, they're on their way to buying yet another NL, NL West title. They lead <laughs> the West with a 33 and 22 record. No major surprises, I would imagine. Maybe the biggest surprise in the NL is that the Cardinals are 24 and 32. And they're on pace to win less than 70 games this year. What yeah. do you guys think about the NL? Well, and look, I, we might we might reference it a little too much here, but it is funny how they have the worst record in the Central, and yet they have the best run differential among any team. And <laughs> that it is so weird. In fact, what you could really do is you could filter the run differential in the exact opposite direction and it would be more representative of what you would think a division leader would look like with the Cardinals having plus six, the Cubs at plus five, the leader with the Brewers are at minus 21 and are well above the Cardinals in the standing. So I agree that division looks like there's some crazy stuff happening within the NL Central at this point. Can I ask you this though? What about Marlins being second? Is that something foreseen coming into the year? Second in the NL East? Well, I was about to go. I'll just say it's just justified firing Don Mattingly. What do you think, Wes? Well, I was going to say, looking at the Pittsburgh Pirates, a team that has been a laughing stock for quite some time. These guys are the 
the definition of 500 baseball. They're 26 and 27, 12 and 13 at home, 14 and 14 away, and have the only they're the only team in the league with a zero run differential. So they can go either way, which seems to be what they're doing every day. But I like the fact that they're in the mix and they're almost at 500. So I got to give Pittsburgh some credit because this has been a team they just started at the bottom and they stay at the bottom. Uh, last thing for me before we move on to, I know we have the Pete Alonzo thing. We can mention that on the other side. But how about the A's being 11 and 45? I, I'm not sure that there were a ton of expectations for yeah, them this just thinking year. about Vegas. I mean, that's just an awful record. They beat the Braves, though, last night. Negative <laughs> <laughs> no, 194 run difference. Whew. I mean, we're seeing some real extremes this year in baseball. Right off the bat, some huge extremes. What's the as locker we go room on. like when you have a team like that? What do you come in and tell them every day? Just I think Jeremy Giambi, your family. is Jeremy Giambi dancing to some music and then. Billy Bean comes in and throws the boombox <laughs> against the wall. Great film. That's what losing sounds like. Stop, stop dancing, Jeremy. Okay, your team is 11 and 45. Stop it. All right, that'll do it for Visit to the Mound. We have one more hour to go. We'll continue the Carolina Panthers conversation. Also, Sam Amico, senior NBA writer, hoopswire.com. He'll be joining us at 2.20. All still to come on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 